Welcome to episode one of our podcast. We've decided to kick this thing off by talking about what got us here. We will each take a brief look into our YouTube journeys and how we got to where we are today. This is Sports Therapy. I figure we could probably just do it. I'm gonna just throw one out there, bro. Let's just do see. It. Let's just see what the, you know what I'm saying. I don't yeah, want to overdo it with BS energy either. I want to do it with that good, like, that <laughs> solid, that yeah, solid go. good energy though. Like all right. So, welcome to Sports Therapy with KTO and Flimlo. Uh, <laughs> this is our new podcast, bro. It's been a long time in the making. A little bit later in the second half of this podcast, we're gonna get into reactions of last night's game, bro. The season is, is finally back. I know a lot of us probably thought it really was never going to come back, but here we are. We're also going to talk about record predictions for each of our individual teams. But before we get into any of that, um, I just wanted to say, first off, thank you to anybody that's coming over from either of our YouTube channels. Uh, this is a side project for us, technically, but we're taking this super serious, bro. We want to put together a good show for anybody that's checking it out. Now, if you're new to us, maybe you just find us straight directly through the podcasting circuit if you want to go want to go that route uh we'll do a quick introduction kind of explain who we are how we met why we decided to do this podcast and you know what you can expect going forward on the podcast you feel me yeah man i think i think you got just smooth energy when you speak it's sick I appreciate it appreciate it <laughs> yeah you know what yeah I'm so yeah so uh i think that was well put man um yeah, I think 30 minutes, like a little first segment of us talking, like chill vibe, kind of just whatever we want to talk about. It can be related to sports, but that's more of the theme. Like we're here just talking as friends and then we will segment into more of like that current stuff, like you said. So it's a two part podcast. It gives you kind of everything that you want to hear. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You said it well. Cool, cool. And um, <clears throat> so, bro, like. I mean, just jump. I guess we just jump into it. Like, what is like? Who is KTO? Like, how yeah. you get here? How'd you start on YouTube? Like, yeah. Give me the rundown. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, man. Yeah. So growing up, YouTube was me, man. I mean, I loved YouTube. I was a YouTube kid. That was my teenage years. I've been trying to make it on this platform since I was 10 years old. Damn. 2008, 2007, right around then. I, we are trying to take it serious doing stuff. And I've done so many things from basketball, like uh, trick shots, to ghost hunting videos, to... We can't just slide through that. You did ghost hunting videos? Yeah. So my friend bought like a EMP, which is like electromagnetic uh, like energy reader. And we'd mm -hmm. go into these like abandoned buildings and try to find like energy sources. And so we'd film it and we'd take photos and basically, yeah, we were so influenced by ghost hunters. That's what we were trying to do. But that dream ended quickly. <laughs> so, uh, and then yeah. we did like ding dong ditching videos. Um, that's, this is like 2011 around then. Okay. But that wow. stuff's just, it was just silly. It was just friends being friends. I transitioned into like NCAA com commentary gameplay videos. And my influence from that was Chris Smoove. I wanted to be like him. So if you listen to those videos, I'm like, trying to talk like Chris Smoove because um, I, I didn't know how to find my own voice. Yeah. And although I had fun doing it, never gained any sort of uh, any sort of traction. So, yeah, my first like six, seven years, multiple channels, nothing really popped off. And that was fine because I was focused on athletics at the time. Mm -hmm. But uh, but then in 2016, I was going to college doing college track and a new channel popped up that was sort of blowing up and it was Mike Corzemba. Mike Corzemba's a dude who uh, he was doing M like uh, 2K videos, but then he tried something new yep. and was doing more of like a storytelling with this dark, uh, cinematic, uh, you know, suspenseful energy and that just took, captivated me. He took me. off, bro, and he blew up. I mean, he yeah. was he went from fifty thousand to five hundred thousand subs instantly. Yep. And what I saw from this was an opportunity. And I'm one of those dudes that when I see an opportunity, if I don't take advantage of that situation, I'm going to regret it. Like I'm going to be upset at myself for not maximizing a, a, a chance for at sure. something. Yep. And so what I realized was no one's doing this thing right now for football. 
and I and I knew I could do it, even though I had no experience with with uh, with this type of content. I knew that there was potential there. So I started wrapping my head around ideas for a channel, how exactly it would go down. And uh, around that time, the fo college football season had just kicked off. It was like August, around then, August 2016. And I was, I was a passive fan of Leonard Fournette because he was the top player of my high school class, 2014. I played running back. He was the best running back in, in high school. So I was just kind of a fan because of that. And I watched the Auburn game where he, it's like his most famous college football game and watching it, it literally had me running down the halls of, at my, at my house. I was just yeah. freaking out cause it was so amazing. And I realized I was like, okay, I'm going to make a video talking about this dude. I found some crazy stories about him growing up and it just, it just came together so well and coming up with the name I went, okay, what can I do? I'm going to have this little mystical feel. I'm going to be talking about, uh, you know, these stories, but also giving predictions. I was like, Karsten the Oracle. That was the <laughs> name I came up yeah. with. And I was like, I'll be, yeah, this like this dark vibe going for. And uh, that's what I started with making my first videos. I made a face cam video. I had like 50 candles lit behind me. 50 candles? Yeah, dude. I I'll put a little thing in the video just Bro. for you. But <laughs> yeah, it was, I was just trying to do something unique and yeah. it took off. It took off and it started working really well. And the funny part was, man, I didn't even have my own computer. I would go over to some of my teammates, like their, their apartments, and I would use their computers to make these videos. So I would take over my little snowball mic and they would be like, okay, yeah, you can use the computer. And I would just sleep on their couch and edit like day and night until I got a video done. And I did that for my first like 20 to 25 videos. Shout out to David for helping me with my first video, teaching me the ropes. <laughs> and then shout out to Michael for letting me use this computer every week for like six months. For sure. Shout out to David and Michael, bro. Hey man, real quick. This, I think I think it was so dope, like how much you, um, like you cared about like the vibe of your videos so early on. Like the fact that you was going for like a certain type of energy in your videos, yeah. I think is, I think that's dope. And I think that's kind of like an overlooked thing. And it really gave your, your channel something unique, I believe. Yeah. I mean, obviously you was doing something that hadn't even been done at all in football, really. Yeah. But then you was kind of taking it to the next level and putting your own, your own yeah. spin on it. You know what I'm saying? So that, that's pretty fire, bro. Well, it, it was one of those times when I was watching Mike Corzemba and I realized what captivated me about his videos. And I went, that's what I got to do. I got to do what he did for me. That's yeah. what I got to do for other people. And especially for myself. Because when I was liking my own videos, I knew people were going to like it. Yeah. So that's what I realized. And I just ran with that idea and it's grown and it's evolved. And now I've been on the platform for four years and it's, it's, you know, it's a train on its own path and I've just been guiding it and it's yeah. been, it's been a journey, man. Yeah, so for sure. It's been awesome. For sure. Like speaking, speaking of the journey, like with my, my situation, I was basically, I was a college athlete, you know what I'm saying? Similar to, to you dropped out. Worked in retail for years, probably five or six years. Good career. I was making good money, you know, working commission. <clears throat> and um, I really wanted to get into something creative, bro, but I, I really didn't know what to do. At the time, I was just kind of rapping on the side, you know? Yeah. I, bro, I used to watch videos to try to get better at Call of Duty because I, you know, I was bad at the time. So I'm watching this dude videos, and he does a house tour one day. Like, yo, this house, this is it's all thanks to you guys. And I'm like, how? <laughs> what do you mean? And like, so I eventually put it together. I'm like, yo, this dude is literally making a living doing this. And so, boom, wheels start turning in my head. I'm like, okay, I could do YouTube. You know what I'm saying? I had no idea what I wanted to do. Eventually, I settled on, actually, I started out doing like vlog content. And I tried like music content. I did a lot of random stuff. But I eventually settled on NCAA, and that's kind of what stuck for me. And what I did was, bro, I went on, like, other people's videos. And I, because they were all older videos, because NCAA came out in 2013. I started YouTube in 2015, so older hey, game. You're talking about the video game. Just yes, NCAA 14. Unclear. Yeah, the video game. The comments were still fresh. The videos were old, but the comments was fresh, which meant people still cared about the content, right? So, yeah. boom. I was like, all right, I'm going to do that. But instead of doing it like an announcer, which is what almost every NCAA channel I saw was like that. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to bring some personality to it. You know what I'm saying? Get my reactions while I'm playing the game. 
boom, I'm going to do face cam. There was, I saw no face cam in NCAA at all. And I was inspired by the 2K cast, honestly. At the time, like, there was all of my team stuff, like Cash Nasty and all of them dudes. So I was like, okay, I could kind of bring my personality to this. Did that, became kind of the NCAA guy. I used to do, like, stories. Bro, I literally, I made a character named Dre Moss. This is, like, my fourth character. I sold a short novel about, like, a summer in this man's life on Amazon. And, you know, some people bought it and liked it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I did a lot with, like, that game. And once I felt like I had done literally everything that could be done, I kind of needed to move on to something else. I had been watching Mike Krasimba, and I saw a bunch of other basketball channels like his spring up. And um, then I saw one of your videos. And I was like, okay, so somebody's doing this with football, Right. I ain't jump on it immediately because I was like, yo, how do you do this without just getting every video copyright claim? Yeah. So I hit up all the highlight channels. You know, I hit up Highlight Heaven and you know, Harris. I hit up everybody like, yo. And it was like all that stuff getting claimed. So I kind of threw the idea to the back burner. A couple months later, I said, forget it. And I just went for it. Like, I'm going to just use pictures. And I jumped on it, bro. At this point, I was probably at about 60,000 subscribers. With yeah. NCAA, so I was doing good. I was working full time on YouTube already. Um, but when I switched over to like the storytelling aspects, and again, largely inspired by your videos, and I brought, like I say, I brought my thing, my my little thing to it, like my on camera presence X Y Z, and uh, my opinions and like kind of like my empathy, you know, just the way I approach things, and it just it just took off for me, bro. Like it started moving so quick. Like, I went from dropping three videos a day during gaming to dropping, like, three videos a week now and getting more views. And I was like, okay, this is yeah. this is the direction that I need to go. You know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, I just kept doing that over the years, over the years, over the years. Now it's been probably three years since I've been doing, like, my What Happened To series. And I've been, bro, I'm cool with rappers. I'm cool with NFL players, like, a lot of, like, a lot has come from it, you know what I'm saying? Like, a lot of the connections that I have, and I ain't one of those people that post every DM I get, but I get some of the coolest DMs from some of, like, some of the coolest people that you would think wouldn't even be, shouldn't even be following me on yeah. Twitter. And it's, uh, you know, it's dope, man. Like, it's, it brought me a real long way. Um, family good, and we just been able to really kind of take it Take it to a, to that next level, bro. Yeah. I'm still reaching for like the top top of it, but yeah, yeah, man. I think it's interesting. Like, I think it's a good time we can kind of jump into how we met because we actually met in the middle of my story. Yeah. Like, shortly after I started doing them videos, and I'm gonna throw it to you. Shortly yeah. after I started doing them videos, you hit me on Twitter. Yeah, Do you dude, remember I was this? just I was I was gonna bring it up. It was funny because while I was doing it, I felt like I was like the lone ranger in the football field of like this weird subcategory that was being created. Yeah. And I knew it. Yeah. There was going to be people that come along. And so I remember I made like these college football videos about like stars that you forgot about. Mm -hmm. That was kind of the theme. And then you dropped, it was either like a Michael James, a DeAnthony Thomas, one yep. of those type of videos. And I was like, all right, here we go. And I had like the, the, the angel and the devil kind of, kind of mindset <laughs> where it was like, part of me was like, all right, we're just going to crush this guy. We're just going to get big. We're going to put this guy out kind of thing. Yeah. And then the other part of me was like, no, man, you'd rather be cool with this dude. It's like someone who's doing the same thing as you. There's an opportunity here for a friendship or, I mean, that's obviously, I, I didn't know about friendship, but at least like a, some, some sort some, of really like on some understanding. Business. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. Collaboration style. So yeah. So I found you on Twitter. I messaged you and I was just like, Hey man, I like what you're doing. And all that. And then you let me know that I like helped inspire your change on YouTube to what you had started doing. Yeah. And then we just hit it off from there. We started talking and I don't remember how long after that we actually met up in person, but do you remember? I, no. Um, I know we did like a collab video. You actually yeah, helped me get to a hundred thousand uh, subscribers. Cause I was oh, right yeah, there. I was at like yeah. 95,000 and I did that collab with you. Cause you had like 150 at the time. Yeah. Yeah, so we were both, we were around, yeah, that mark, I had hit it, and, you know, I knew that, like, that 100K mark is kind of, like, that first threshold of YouTube being, like, all right, you're starting to make it. Yeah. And so I was, like, all right, let's get this guy rolling, 
and let's get him over that 100K. So that was like the first thing we did, that collab. And uh, eventually we were like, we got to meet up. We got to do something. And we're like brainstorming. And we end up flying out. I meet you in Texas outside of Dallas. That's the first and, time we met. Okay. Yeah. So I, it, what's so funny about it was we had all these weird ideas that we talked about doing. Like we s- basically snuck into that stadium and we we're going to be like, oh, we're going to do this video where we sneak into the stadium and <laughs> yeah. super yeah, yeah, clickbait. Yeah, yeah. And then thinking back, I'm like, why, why, why was that even a, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And I remember the first thing that happened was we met up, we called an Uber and the moment we get in the Uber, the guy knew who you were. Yeah. He was like, right when that happened, (laughs) some old dude, some old dude's like, Hey, I I recognize you, man. And it was, it was hilarious. So (laughs) you was hating like, (laughs) yeah. Cause I, that never happened. And you was bigger. Like. Yeah, exactly. It's just... Uh, I'm just... you know, I'm on camera, man. Yeah, man. I mean, it makes a difference. You're more yeah. of a personal storyteller. So people associate your channel with you and your face. And yeah. I, I totally understand that. But yeah. it's obviously like that... Uh, I don't even know what you call that. The envious side where you're like, I want everything. Yeah. I want to be Mr. Perfect. Um, <laughs> it, so, it, yeah. it, it happens, bro. Because it's, it's things about your channel that, you know, I wish my channel what like I was better at you feel me and yeah. and you like you say you just you look at it and you say bro honestly we're both probably not at our peak from a content standpoint or like at least yeah. the way we think of it you know people watching might think that so if we're both at 85 overall in our minds we don't got the yeah. same exact attributes we still both 85 overall you feel yeah. what I'm saying we just we yeah. got there a different way we got different strengths different weaknesses yeah it's like my awareness for like uh, camera stuff is like in the thirties and yours is like in the seventies and eighties. And I'm just like trying to learn from you. Yeah. So that's like, we both have taken aspects of each other's videos and slash concepts and helped each other mold each other. You know 1, what I mean? So 1000%. I think that's the beautiful part of it. It's not about competing or having more of this or whatever. It's just simply like, how do I make my content better? And how that's do it. I improve what we're doing here? And that's ultimately like, I realized that. And so I stopped caring about that stuff a long time ago. And it feels good to kind of drop that like, oh, I need this many subscribers. It I need does. this many likes per video. I need to see this this many comments. And now that yeah. that stuff leaves, I mean, you still get that a little bit, but it's not the same. It used to be an obsession. Checking every day, looking, okay, how many subs do I have? Check five minutes later, how many subs do I got? And it's just like, it's Man, just now draining. I was telling you, like I was telling you the other day, bro, it's more when I post a video, it's more about like, is that video as perfect as it can be based on my current capabilities? Yeah. If I get a video that go hit a million views and I felt it was bad, like I almost feel bad because I'm like, damn, a million people could have saw my yeah. A plus work. But they actually saw my B minus work. You feel what I'm saying? And then 100%. you make the A plus video. It might not get as many views, but yeah. like I feel like, yo, everybody that saw this video just saw my A play work. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, so, and I could be proud of that. For anyone listening, and you all, like I get asked at every video, why do I upload so infrequently? infrequently. Like, why yeah. is it happening every two, three weeks? The biggest reason is because I'm the biggest self-critic in the world when it comes to my own content. No one's more critical than me when it comes to it. And so when I'm making it, if it's not to the standard that I have set for myself, it, views don't matter at this point. I have had video, I have a video over 10 million. I've had, I have like many videos over a million. Yeah. It's like that stuff doesn't mean anything anymore. What matters is I make a video that I truly thought was a good video. And it doesn't matter how it does. It's just when you publish it, you feel so much better. Yeah. I have made videos that took me a day that I upload and do well. And all I can think about is how I wish I could have done it better, like you just said. Yeah. So I'm at the point now where everything does well enough, especially with sponsorships and stuff. It's like, I want to drop content that I enjoy. And if I can't do that, then I'm ultimately just going to be unhappy and unsatisfied. And see, so. I probably meet you because I'm, I'm very similar to that. But the difference is not only do I expect myself, like I expect my videos to be A1, I expect me to be able to create them within a certain time frame. So I yeah. give myself like, all right, bro, today is Friday. We're going to start this video. It's going to be posted by Tuesday, no matter what that means. If that means three days of me in front of this computer for eight to 12 hours, 
cool. Yeah. If it just flows and everything is perfect and it, it goes faster, great. But no matter what, come Tuesday, like I really hold myself to that. And I think I developed that because I, I mean, I know we both started with gaming, but you know, I kept my channel going with, with gaming. Like my channel started to grow with gaming first. Yeah. And I had to do so, bro. I was doing two videos in a live stream every day. So I had to get up yeah. at 4 a.m. I did that. I, I mean, I recorded my videos. I go to work nine hours, come home. I'm dad, I'm husband. Then I got to edit. I got to do all, you know, I upload at midnight, go to sleep, sleep four hours, wake up the next morning, and do it again. I did that for like a year before I really kind of got my footing, before I was able to go full time, you yeah. know what I'm saying, with the game and shit. So, I think though them early days of me having it, and I don't even know if I had to do that. I'm just an extreme person, so I, I kind of put myself in that position because I knew I'd thrive. Um, but it, it helped me develop like that muscle. So for me, while I don't think all my videos are as like technically perfect as your videos, I'm able to kind of get them out more frequently. But that don't yeah. mean that I think all of them are my A plus. I shoot for my A plus, but I don't always hit it. You know? Yeah. Well, dude, I mean, honestly, I admire the drive slash like the, the situation that you put yourself in where you're on this frequency of like how often you make these videos and how much you've improved your setup and everything. And it's like one of those things that drives me to want to get better and get more frequently uploading and improve, like get on camera. I mean, that's part of the reason why I'm trying to be more on camera because it's a new challenge. It's, it's another way to improve your content if you can do it right. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's cool, man. I mean, I, I really enjoy to, to expand upon like our friendship. I really like how this YouTube journey has gone with meeting up with other guys who are on this because anyone we've met through this shout out to uh, urinating tree and five, five yep. we're just all so much different. We all yeah, come from totally so different true, places. <laughs> we're all, you know, five points is like 40 something, you know, <laughs> I'm in my early twenties. Yeah, you know you're in the I'm south. Early thirties. Uh, yeah. I'm black. I'm the the lone black guy. Yeah. I'm, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like we're incredibly different. We even different yeah. kind of fans. All of exactly. us. Exactly. Yeah. Like, but we're like our similarities are really they're stronger. You know what I'm saying? Our similarities are stronger than our differences. Like some of the conversations me and you had, bro, have been like some of the deepest, like the dopest conversations I've had. And to me. That's really what took our situation from like a, a dude in my industry that I'm cool with to like, nah, that's my dog. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's my partner. Yeah. Because we didn't really had like some real conversations about some real topics. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes yeah. we have a real conversation about a, bull, a BS topic. Yeah. You feel me? But we'll talk about it for two hours. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. I just think that's dope, you know? You know, we got a few more minutes here before the camera goes off. But yeah. the last thing I wanted to say, going back to our friendship that I didn't expand upon earlier, Dude, when we met up, I was blown away at how instantly we just meshed. Like we just became friends so quickly and the stuff we could talk about, especially yeah. related, related to YouTube, overthinking, anxiety, all that stuff. It just, yeah. it was so smooth and so easy going that I was like instantly like, this is great. I need to talk to this guy more. And that's part of the reason why we're doing this now. Yeah. I, I think we both can agree on that is just like, this is a situation where it's therapeutic for us to, to, to talk to each other it and is. both talk about something that not a lot of people understand. It's we're in a different situation. Not that it's harder or easier than anything. It's just different. It's just different. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's isolating. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's awesome, man. I'm yeah, glad we met. Dope. Same, same. So here we are. You know what I'm saying? So hopefully we'll yeah. have some of them dope conversations um, on the podcast and y'all will be privy. You know what I'm saying? The audience will be will be privy to, to some of those. You know what I'm saying? So long off the longest off season of your life. You know what I'm saying? We didn't know yes. we was gonna have a season. I talked to you recently and you was like even kind of scared to really lean into it because you was like you didn't want it to be snatched away from you if we got so close and then it got canceled. So we passed all of that. We had kickoff last night. Texans, Chiefs. Uh, what were your thoughts on the game? Yeah, so, you know, the first thing that happened was we talked last night right before the game, kind of rushing through stuff. I turn on my TV, turn it up loud, and I got so emotional just seeing 
the, the you know, it went into the booth. It had them talking the pregame and just seeing the players just walk around and stuff. And I was like, oh, like tearing up because I was just like, oh, my gosh, I feel whole again. <laughs> yeah. I feel yeah. whole again. Real you know tough. what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, honestly, what was funny was I thought the game was going to be so sloppy, but I felt that the Chiefs were pretty buttoned up. Yeah. But by the by the second quarter, third quarter, I just felt like the Texans like I, I texted my dad after like three or four drives. I was just like, they got no shot. They cannot oh. they they can't stop the Chiefs and they're just not buttoned up on offense. Every time they went deep, it was way overthrown, double cut like the Chiefs just had their number. And yeah. honestly, I was pretty bored by the second quarter. So Well it was yeah. I'll I'll chime ahead. in on because I well, I want to talk about that a little bit. And I'm actually going to say this as a positive. The game went exactly as I expected, right? There was, and that's a good thing because I was, I'm not a, you know how I am. When I watch football, I'm watching like the receivers. Like I, I'm, I only care about the on the field stuff. I don't really care about the analysis. We've had this conversation. Yeah. Um, we differ there. But yeah. so I knew I wasn't going to care about the crowd and all that. But I was like, I just need the players that had that energy. They was pumping the noise in. The players had energy. It was great, you know. But, yeah, I knew. We, I feel like everybody had to know the Texans. They got smashed last year yeah. by, by the Chiefs. And the Chiefs only got better and the Texans got worse. Like, yes. especially for a game like that where they want to try to keep up with the Chiefs, you get rid of a Hall of Fame receiver, you go get a running back. So when you do that, now you got – two number two receivers don't have no alpha dog out there you know what i'm saying to make that big play like when you see uh kenny Steele's drop that one on the sideline that would have been a touchdown because honey badger and the other guy both overplayed it anyway yeah if that's deandre hopkins you know you make that play and the texans still lose so the fact that they didn't have him i knew that was going to take the l i just felt like that was a bad matchup for like the opening game because I felt like the Texans were so outmatched. Yeah. But with that being said, I did think it would be sloppier. I thought there would be more missed tackles. I thought there would be more yes. um, you know, turnovers. But honestly, it was it was pretty solid, bro. It was it was a good game. It's actually one of the not a good game, but like it was good football is what I mean. Yeah. You know what I I'm saying? I can agree there. And so I was I was happy with that, bro. I was excited. I drafted Clyde Edwards Hilaire. In my fan, well, actually, I didn't get to draft them because some dude auto drafted them accidentally. But I pulled off a trade for Le'Veon Bell and Brandon Cooks for Clyde Edwards before the game, and I was so I felt so good the whole night because he was getting like a hundred carries. I'm like, yo, yeah. this is this is great, you know. I was happy, bro. Have you always been a fantasy guy, or is it a recent thing for you? No, I've always played fantasy. I play with, with my friends only. I'm not super, like we have a super custom league where like big plays count for more. We do individual defensive players. So you got to draft a full team. You got to have three D linemen, three linebackers, three DBs, Like I mean, four DBs, sorry. And, um, you know, that's how we do it. You got multiple receivers flex. So you got to kind of know, you got to go deep. It ain't yeah. just draft a bunch of names. You got to really fill your roster up. And so that's just something fun I like to do because, you know, I like to look at them players that's kind of like under the radar that's going to get yeah. his stats. I, I like that. I, I get it, man. I just – I had to stop. I had to stop because I care too much about the things I care about, which is like the Browns, maybe big games and whatnot. And I yeah. just felt like fantasy took me a little bit out of that. I yeah. needed this guy to play well, but he's playing the Browns this week. Yeah. I need this defense to do well. They're playing the Browns offense. It's a problem. It became enough of an issue for me where I was so overly checking my rosters every day. It'd be like a Tuesday. I'm like going through it like, okay, should I start this guy, this guy? And while it was fun, it was more stressful and not as – it was not what I needed. So I had to yeah. stop. I've been like that in the past, man. And I told my boy, literally, I said this last night, because he was saying something. He was like, oh, man, you got to be pissed. Clyde Edwards didn't get that touchdown on the. I was like, bro, I don't give a fuck. Like, it's like I have my fantasy team. I want them to do well, but I just want to see good football. I'm not going to get yeah. overly caught up in my fantasy team. Like, I've done that before, but now it's, the fan it's my fantasy team. That's my side thing. I care about football first. This is yes. just some fun I do with the, with the boys, and it can yeah. heighten my experience, but I'm not going to let it take away from my experience. Like seeing Clyde Edwards go crazy when you got him on your fantasy team, it just make the game even better. 
But I'm not tripping if like I get a player out there, he don't do nothing. I'm go. I'll be excited about the defense that they playing to stop my quarterback that I draft. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So that's just kind of a mindset shift that I I literally had to like make a conscious decision. I'm not getting mad about no fantasy. I don't care. Ain't no money on the line. It's just my boys, you know. And so I don't take it that seriously. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I understand, man. And I think one thing I wanted to say, like, because we were, we were talking about the Chiefs before we started talking about fantasy uh-huh. and just, like, them being buttoned up and improving. You know, I was, I was thinking about it because I'm like, predictions-wise, what, what's going to happen this season? And the, mm-hmm. to be the truth be told, I, I don't know. Right. I don't know how to predict it because I feel like football will be so much less buttoned up. I keep using that term, but so much less structured. Mm-hmm. I think the Chiefs are good, but I think I'm going to watch the Browns and I'm hoping they're going to be put together. But I just feel like the first half of the season is going to be figuring that out. The second yeah. half is going to change. And I just feel like it's it's who's who's going to win the NFC to lose to the Chiefs. I have a hard <laughs> time getting over that thought. I know that anything can happen in one football game, but from what I've seen from the Chiefs, especially through the playoffs last year and already in one game, it's hard for me to hop off that. And they weren't even like – like last year, they they honestly were like limping on one leg, honestly, and they beat everybody, you know. So in this year, they seem a lot more – and again, they played the Texans, right? So The Texans are like watering down slowly every year. (laughs) But see, like for me – and I, well, you might not be like this because y'all are in a stage where y'all are more going for it right now. We're in a rebuild, right? So for for my team, for for the Bengals, we we're not concerned with the Chiefs. Like we're not going to compete for Super Bowls right now, anyway. Yeah. So I can enjoy the Chiefs fully without feeling like they're blocking my opportunity. Because by the time we get in our window, you know, the Chiefs, who knows what'll be going on with that roster at that time? You know what I'm saying? What do you call a rebuild that's lasted 20 years? Well, you call that a, call a that a terrible joke. rebuild. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's what you that's what you'd call it. But um, I mean, like for y'all, bro, I honestly feel like y'all have been hyper aggressive. Y'all get every free agent, every trade. Every time I look up, like, okay, Del Pitts hurt. I'm like, oh, wait, you got Ronnie Harris. I'm like, bro, where's the money coming from? They still have what the best kind cap of space. salary cap, do, bro? Y'all not playing with the same salary cap as everybody else. Y'all cheap. No, we had to put it on easy mode. It was, we, <laughs> like, we turned off the cap. Everybody. I'm like, yo, this is crazy. The Browns just won't go away. You know well, what I'm saying? Dude, th- why I'm skeptical, man, is just I look at the window that the Browns are entering. They're going to mm-hmm. have to pay Baker soon. They're going to have to pay Nick Chubb soon. They're going to yep. have to uh, pay Denzel Ward soon. Yep. And the problem is they're going to be entering that little window of time where it's like, all right, you got the guys. Let's see what happens. And the Chiefs and the Ravens are so loaded. I just, it's like hard for me to truly look at it from an honest perspective and not a homer perspective and yeah. go, yeah, the Browns could beat those guys. But no. Uh, no. When, okay, when do you Ravens. think y'all's window is? Like, do you think y'all are in that window, your potential Super Bowl window right now? No, man. I mean, here's the problem. I get myself hyped up every year. I get myself so hyped up every year. Like last year, I thought the Browns were a Super Bowl contender and no one could tell me otherwise because of what happened in 2018 and then all the additions. But the problem is there is no sustainability with the organization. There's a new GM, there's a new coach, and that's rinse, repeat, wash them out every year or two. So you got a first year head coach who had to deal with COVID and no training, like barely any training camp and no preseason. Yeah. And you got a new GM and it's like, if this fails, if they do bad this year, I could see Baker gone. They try again new and then they're fresh on a new rebuild. Yeah. And then it's like, you got to do something with all those players you got. And then they're probably going to fire and then start a new thing. Mm. And so it's like, I've seen it too many times that and i i believe it's because there was no preseason this year for me to get like that fake like that fake uh oh my gosh that one drive in game 1 when they went down the field against the backups well, yeah, that's got me excited go at that point yeah but th- that was enough in the past to like hype me up i could yeah. go the whole off season of like Same. listening or like going to cleveland.com and reading articles about oh jarvis is so motivated and it's april i'm like yeah yeah we're going to kill it yeah. and it just it never happens. It, nothing ever materializes. And it's it feels like a bunch of individuals because you can't have any gathering of the energies. I think the right personalities are in there. It just needs time. It needs proper time. And 
I don't know if I don't know if they can get that. And that's been the running joke for the twenty year rebuild. Okay. So with that said, with you telling me for five minutes straight that you have no idea what your team is gonna look like, I'm now gonna ask the ridiculous question, what is y'all record gonna be? Like, what is your record prediction for the season? Yeah, I need to. I, I can't I've been thinking. I've been pondering on it. Hear how this change. I can't wait to hear this now and hear how this changes Monday. Like next week, <laughs> after you see a game, I want to like how this actually flips from today to after one game is going to be super interesting. Go. All right. Man. Well, here's the thing, man. We drew possibly the hardest week one schedule game. <laughs> yeah. Not name the Chiefs. That's a fact. That's and, fact. you know, with a running quarterback, especially how good Lamar Jackson's been, he's a week one nightmare because you have no idea what they're going to come out and do. You don't. So, and it's at Baltimore. Obviously, there's no fans and stuff, but it's like, if there's any sort of home field advantage, it goes to them. I could see the Browns getting blown out and it won't change my opinion on the season because okay. it's, the Browns never, they haven't won a week one game in, in my like entire lifetime, it feels like. They tied their first game in 2018, and it was their best start in 14 years. Okay. They tied, and it was their best start in 14 years. <laughs> okay. Let me ask you so, this. Let me yeah. ask you this. Since you expect that you guys could easily get blown out, and you say it won't change your opinion, what about how your guys react to the L? Because to me, that's going to really tell me everything I need to know about y'all's season. How does Odell take the L? How does Jarvis take the L? And my God, how does Baker take the L? Like, can they take this L and stay within themselves? Or do the strong emotions that they all have start to take over early in the season? Do I start to see body language like, oh, here we go. Like, do I see that after, you know, if if y'all get completely just wiped off the field, which could easily happen because, like you said, Baltimore week one, that that just sucks. That's just terrible. You know, I'm torn on that. I think there's a new attitude this year. I think we're going to get a a more focused, less talking Baker Mayfield. I'm I'm, I'm praying for it. If they beat Baltimore, (laughs) they go on a three-game win streak and he starts talking, I'm going to be very – that's I'm gonna be what very I worried. Expect. I know, that's what I, I expect, do too, bro. Because, <laughs> oh, you know, yeah. that's just who he he is. Like that's his personality. You know what I'm saying? And which ain't necessarily good or bad, but it's just I don't know how long a person like that can suppress their personality. Once you get these extreme highs yeah. or extreme lows, it's gonna be real difficult. For I mean, him the to dude has overcome everyone who told me couldn't do something. That's a fact. Time and time again. So it's like when he starts to get that little bit of like, I'm back in on the top, it's like he's going to run with that because it feel it feels too good. When you're, yeah. you're at like this highest high gonna above everyone else that proved you, that you're proven wrong. Yeah. It takes a very strong man to not do that. Yeah. And we'll see. We'll see if he can start to grow up and be more of that like even killed quarterback energy. Yeah, because he's still a super then, young guy, so it's yeah, yeah. He's my age. He's he's yeah. like twenty five. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. So, quick prediction, so I don't dra- drag this out too long. I think the Browns are going to be a borderline wild card team. I think nine and seven is a, is kind of the running conservative answer, but you can't give them any more wins than that because of games like Baltimore twice, Pittsburgh twice. Yeah, you got at Dallas. You've got. Um, Philadelphia, that's going to be a tough one. Just if unless they run the train on Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and a, and get a couple upset wins like that, it's like they're not going to they're not going to win more than nine games. I, I'm giving them a cap of nine and seven. If it's a disappointing season, it's probably seven and nine. Yeah, and it's right around there. And okay, yeah. So I think I think you should talk about your team now. Yeah. So you talk about not knowing. So my team, we have a rookie quarterback. He's never thrown a single pass in the NFL, has no preseason. Uh, obviously, the COVID, everything is going on with that. Um, we have A.J. Green back. Hasn't played a game in two years. We got um, our first-round pick from the previous year, Jonah Williams. Hasn't played an NFL down, right? We got half of my defense, all of my linebackers, with the exception of one, weren't on my team last year. All right, yeah. we added – DJ Reader, he's going to be my starting D tackle. Um, him and Gino, if you know, assuming Gino is healthy, I'll get into that in a second. 
The secondary is different. The only person we're bringing back is um, we're bringing back Jesse Bates at free safety, my dog, and um, William Jackson at corner. Everybody else is new. You know what I'm saying? So I literally have no clue what this team is going to look like. Zach Taylor is basically new. Last year he was having to call plays completely handcuffed because the offensive line was so terrible and Andy Dalton was also not very good. So you couldn't even call, you know what I'm saying? I don't know what his coaching even looked like. So it's very difficult for me because I think we're one of the weirdest teams because we're both underrated and overrated at the same time. It's like people saying they wouldn't be surprised. Like PFL put a thing out the other day said they wouldn't be surprised. Like it could easily happen that we make the playoffs. Whoa. Other people are saying, real talk. Uh, other people are saying we'll win two games. You know, I think we're somewhere in the middle. But it's just like, it's one of those things, man, where it's tough. Um, if I had to just put a number on it, because like, okay, let me say this real quick. If everything went perfect and A.J. Green doesn't get hurt at some point, if John Ross doesn't get hurt at some point, if Geno Atkins, who's dealing with a shoulder injury right now, plays the first game and doesn't get hurt and miss any significant time, I could see us, and also assuming that the offensive line is a lot better, which we keep yeah. hearing out of camp, but, you know, you hear all kind of BS out of camp. We don't yeah. know. Um, I could see us winning eight, nine games. But <laughs> most likely, people are going to get hurt. Things are going to go wrong. And it's probably going to be a shit show at a few points throughout the season. So what's most likely going to happen is we're probably going to win like four or five games. We'll be fun. And that's really all I can ask for right now. You know what I'm saying? Last year... I watch, we won two games. I watched every last one of them. Yeah. Torture. It was torture. This year, I expect to have fun. And every game is not so important to me, whether we win or lose, because I don't think we're going to win the Super Bowl anyway. So yeah. it's like I just need to see improvement from my players. I need to see the offense get tighter. I need to see – you know what I'm saying? I need to understand what Joe Burrow is going to be able to do. I need to see what this defense is going to look like. Um, but my, my record prediction, I'm going to go ahead and say – and Bengals fans ain't gonna like this, but I think we'll probably go. I can see us going probably five and eleven. I like the honesty, man. I I was waiting for like an eight and eight, and I was like, I won't. Like, I will not be shocked if we go eight and eight. Let me just say that I won't be shocked at all. You know, I've never felt more confident that the Browns are gonna lose Week One and beat the Bengals Week Two. I'm, we're not we're not scared of y'all. Like we're scared of Baltimore, but like y'all, we beat y'all last year. Yeah, but that was like the Browns were six or what six and nine at that point, so they okay. were like tuned out. What I'm Bro, saying, we though, were tuned out. We were one in whatever. No. what are you talking about? <laughs> <You're> right, <laughs> like, right. what do you mean? But dude, hear me out. I, I'm sure Joe Burrow has been preparing for this Week One game. They've been studying that defense. Mm-hmm. All right, win or lose, it's his first game. It's a learning experience. Uh-huh. They have a short week going to Cleveland yeah. Thursday night. And Cleveland going to be coming off getting a ass drug by the Ravens. And they are going to be pissed. And they that's are going be to there. be checked out. And here's what's going to happen with Cleveland. Because this is what happened. <laughs> this is what happened with y'all last year. Y'all came out in that game. Because like Cleveland fans like to say this. Oh, they were checked out. No. In the first quarter of that game, Baker Mayfield, he ran like a first down. He, he was amped in that game, yeah. in that same game. But what happened was when they punched us in the face, we didn't lay down. He was like, oh, I thought this was going to be an easy fight. They got one win on the season. I didn't expect them to fight yeah. back. The second we fall back, Baker started, oh, oh, you know, he didn't expect yeah. to be in a fight. I literally, I literally think they could fall into that same trap. They're going to come into that game like, yeah, these cats – it's the Bengals, so this is an easy dub. I don't think it's gonna be as easy as you think, bro. I really I'm excited don't. for I'm excited for week two then, because we have a Thursday night game. Both of us can talk about that. Oh yeah. I for sure. I I mean, calling it out right now, I really think that's like the Browns like all their anger from Baltimore and getting beat probably pretty handily. I think it's just gonna they're gonna so, rock. Man. I think Miles Garrett gets three sacks. He's doing dances over I, Joe Burrow. I just think y'all are too mentally weak. Y'all have y'all y'all are like one of the most talented teams in the league, but mentally, y'all are not very resilient. I'm going like, off of last year, you're not wrong. Going off of every year, <laughs> like I'm yeah, not okay. not just last year, like every year ever that <laughs> I you know I can remember. Like y'all just 
you have y'all have never been like really a resilient team. We got a a much more solid and steady voice at the top. Like our coach is only a second year, but the players believe in him. We got a quarterback. Everybody believe in. He's not super like braggadocious. Like he got all the good qualities of Baker personality wise without the bad stuff. You know what I'm saying? Without the overconfidence or the arrogance or the I need to throw it in your face. Like he don't have none of that. So I'm just telling you, bro, like the personality of our team, assuming it takes the personality of our quarterbacks, like I I like our edge in that department. While y'all definitely have more talent. We just got to see. We got to see how this thing actually looks on the field. Now, I might feel completely different after week one. But right now, I feel solid. And not necessarily saying, yo, we're going to beat y'all. But, like, I just don't – I think y'all overlooking us is a mistake. I really think y'all overlooking us is a mistake. A big one. Like, don't sleep we'll on see. us, bro. You know what I'm saying? We got hard, bro. We hey, man, hard. every year there is a fighting game. You're The, the D-line – for you guys is always causes issues but you lost some pieces on it didn't you no I, I know, is dunlap still there yes you lost the d tackle what's his name he came to the brown no, i did got hurt who what's his name Tupo? no he was a rotational guy this is who we have we have D- dj reader was like the third rated d tackle last year we have Geno Atkins back, and we just signed oh, Mike Atkins, Daniels. That's who it is. And we just signed Mike Daniels, who made the Pro Bowl, like, it was like two years ago. But he's coming off the bench. He's a rotational guy. Our D tackles are strong. We got um, Sam Hubbard, who's been getting better every single year. Carl Lawson, who's been getting better every single year. These are our ends. We still got Dunlap. Okay? Like, our D line is strong. That's, yeah, I'm, that's not worried, the- I'm not worried about that. Our linebackers is the issue. We got three Ricky linebackers. And I don't know what that's going to look like. Like, that's Dude. the thing that probably scares me the most. Dude, tell me another division that has the D-line strengths of the AFC North. Our D-lines are – because we run the ball oh, so much. So yeah, we, we prioritize D-line. Yeah. It's – dude, every time I watch an AFC North game, it's I love watching it because of how hectic the, the D-line and O-line is. Yeah. Because you – it's – it's like Lamar Jackson dances all over other teams, and it's like he goes against Miles Garrett and Ogan Joby. Well, he, he, danced, he danced against our team last year. I lump, oh, oh, yeah, last year was a rough year for you guys. Horrible. It wasn't the D-line's <laughs> fault, though. This is the linebackers, bro. They were really bad. Really, really bad. Yeah. Well, you want to talk about anything else, or what you think? Um, I guess just to kind of to wrap it up, and we touched on it a little bit, but I do want to, like, ask – uh, since this is sports therapy, from a okay. mental standpoint, what do you think like the challenges are going to be for players playing in a COVID season? Not week one. I'm talking about week seven, coming off a loss, by week eight for three more weeks. Yeah. Like, excuse me. Like, what do you think like some of the potential challenges might be for these guys? You know what I'm saying? That maybe people are not talking about. Well, they're, they're traveling to – all the stadiums, right? Like they're going across the country and everything. Yep. Dude, you know that there's going to be some dudes who sneak in some girls who do something like that and someone's catching it. And once they get a couple of cases, it's going to cause issues. It's just going to become like this, like this energy that takes over teams. And it's like, all it takes is one big name player. All of a sudden your quarterback gets it or whatever. And you saw what happened with dude from the Seahawks, right? Kim Asimarin. I did a video on him. Um, yeah, that was at the start of camp. And then um, dude, last name House, played for the Rockets. They in the playoffs, right? He just got kicked out the bubble for sneaking in a chick in the playoffs, bro, in the second round. Yeah. So it's like it's those, uh, those urges and inability yeah. to control yourself is even more pronounced in football because there's so many players, yeah. you know what I'm saying, to the point where, yeah, I think that's definitely going to be a problem, man. For Dude, a lot of these guys. Another thing I was thinking about was like last night's game was fine for the like the the, the crowd sounded good because of yep. how loud they were. Yep. But they've they're not doing that for every game. So yeah. what is it going to be like when they have to play in a stadium? Your team's two and six. You're three and five, and you're playing in front of no fans. It's Who's like, not doing that? What's I up? Thought, I thought everybody was doing that. No, they're only doing it for a few games. I thought. Okay, I need to like go and read up on that more. 
but I, I thought swear that they said like there's I, two games that are going to have fans and then the rest of them aren't. Oh, with no fans. But I thought it was loud, not because of the fans that were there. They was pumping fan noise, no, right? No, no, no. The Unless Al Michaels just lied on air. He was like, this is not a – we are not fabricating this. This is how it sounds in the stadium. It's loud or whatever. Oh, so damn, it wasn't fake. listen to the announcers. I, but, I dude, was sure they were because it did sound <laughs> Imagine – Imagine they just have like the crowd noise, just like ambiance, and then you throw like a deep pass, and it just sounds like ah. no, bro. Crowd noise works. I've watched every NBA bubble game where there was nobody in that bitch, and I could not tell from a sound standpoint because the yeah. noise go up when you make a big play. Like the way there, yeah. they got somebody on the boards. You feel me? Like turning it up. So when like there's a dunk, it's ah, it sound like it sound good, bro. You know what I'm saying? I don't know that the NFL is doing the exact same thing, but I'm just saying, like, that can definitely work. Like, it can definitely work. Is it as good as having the no. stadium packed? Of course not. But I think it's uh, I think it's a viable option. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If they're not doing that, to me, that's kind of weird, especially for ones that won't have any fans. But the Bengals, yeah. we, we got some fans. We're going to have fans at ours. So we'll be good. Yeah, and then other challenges? Uh, uh, other challenges? Other um, challenges? I, I, I know you talked about it before, but with players who they're dealing with all this stuff and then they can't see family or whatever, they're like have to stay away or whatever. I think there's going to be players that are tuned out just from like the situation at hand and all the stuff that's been going on outside of the game. Mm-hmm. I think a long season, especially for teams who are tanking that, or who are rebuilding. I was just going to say that. What's going on in those locker rooms, man? It's the hard bad to, teams will yeah. be terrible like they're gonna be way worse than they would in a normal year because you're right to to be sacrificing as much as you have to sacrifice and taking hella L's like I know I know a few players bro I've had conversations with a couple of players some on good teams some on bad teams and the ones on the bad teams like they where their minds is at right now it don't even and this was uh last conversation probably a week ago and, you know, the season starting a week, and they just didn't even seem like they was really, really ready to go. You know what I'm saying? I think that'll rile up a little bit as they get closer. But the fact that a week before the season they was way down here, I think they'll get back down there very easily after they go one and five. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, yeah, I think the, the bad teams is going to be – it's going to be tough if they're not exciting. And that's one of the reasons I'm happy about my team because we have a young quarterback. And so there's always hope and it's going to be always fun and it'll be exciting no matter what. And we really don't expect to win a whole lot of games. So I think we'll be good. But um, for a lot of teams, yeah, I think that's going to be a problem, bro. A big one. Okay. I think it's a good time to wrap up. I got 30 seconds left on my camera. So right. um, yeah, I think this is a great first podcast. Anyone who's listening, I think if you want to comment anything down below, your thoughts on this, how it was, if you liked it, if there's anything you'd want to hear from, we may or may not take. It's just let, let us know what you think. Give in us the, the feedback. You feel me? This is the first one. We just kind of, we just basically thugging it. You know what I'm saying? And we, we, we hope y'all like it. We put a lot of thought into it, but we know we're going to have to be adjusting. So we'll be slowly adjusting over time. So, yeah, hit us up, bro. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, maybe potential topics, what you want to hear, questions. If you got some issues you're dealing with, you feel me? Like, give us, give us that, bro, and we'll address y'all. You know what I'm saying? Like, in the podcast, because that's kind of what it's for. You feel me? So, yeah, right. this was Sports Therapy Episode 1. We out, bro. We'll catch y'all in the next one. Peace. Peace.